Lakers. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If if you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you. Good morning, everybody. It is so great to see you this morning. We're glad that you're here at BCF, and if you're watching online, we just want to say hello to you as well. It's a good day to be in God's house and to be with God's people, amen, because we serve a good God. Father God, we're so grateful and thankful for your goodness and your faithfulness. Every good and perfect gift come from you, the Father of lights, in whom there's no variance nor shadow of turning. So Lord, we just position ourselves to receive your goodness today, and we bless your holy name, and we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Now let's stand together. Are you ready to worship in the house today? From the highest throne to the earth below, you lay down your life for the likes of us. Great is the love of 
into it really quick. We'll start with the first verse. Hallelujah. I can hear the sound of praises rising. I can hear the 
Thank you, Jesus. Come on. We got to learn how to worship in His presence. We got to learn how to worship. Oh, with our Lord, our high above.
hallelujah. You know, when we worship the Lord, we open ourselves up for his presence. As we worship him, it's our invitation saying, Lord, come and inhabit your praises. And his presence will come. His presence is here right now in this place. He is with you. He is working in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for working in us. I just want to take a moment and pray for those who are at home and weren't able to come here today. Lord, I just pray that you stretch forth your hand and you touch them and strengthen them in their homes, wherever they're watching this in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we send your word to them. May your word quicken them. May your word help them. May your word lift them up and touch them, Father. Heal their bodies. Restore health to them. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks and praise and glory. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we're so grateful that your presence is here right now with us. And you're moving, you're working, you're doing. And we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. Today is a new day. I am cutting off the old, the old way of thinking, the old way of doing. And I am doing something new. It's a new beginning. It's the beginning of a new and fresh anointing that I am pouring out. It will invigorate you. It will fill you. And it will thrill you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You say, I receive. I receive that right now. I receive that fresh touch. The fresh anointing. The fresh work. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, you can just take a moment, greet someone around you, and then we're going to transition into uh, doing communion. All right, Pastor Nelson's going to lead us in communion, so you can have your seats and uh, just greet someone as you sit, and then pa- Pastor Nelson's going to lead us in communion. And if you're here for the first time, we just want to say welcome to you. Good morning. Yes, today is communion day. And we are grateful for Jesus. So I'm asking you to head on back and get your uh, your drink and your bread. And we'll continue. So we have an awesome God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He is worthy, and he is holy. And we're thanking you, Father, for having such a wonderful plan that you have for us. So we can be with you forever and ever, Father. And for you are glorious, and you are mighty, but you are high and lifted up. You are high and lifted up. And we're thanking you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. 
your name is victory, Father, and you bring victory to this house. And we thank you, Father. Coming in like the whirlwind like you do, Father. Coming in, stepping through the church, speaking, touching, healing. We thank you, Father. <laughs> Thanking you, Holy Spirit, for drawing here and speaking over us. Yes, hugging us, declaring that we have victory every day in you. And we thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. And we thank you, Father. For the outpouring is here, Father, the outpouring. And we thank you, Father, for your river of fires flowing heavy here. And we thank you, Father, for you are glorious. You are glorious. And we thank you, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> you are the king. You are the king, and you are the Lord of lords. And we thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. So we're heading into Ephesians 5.1. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children. Imitate their father. And John 6.51 says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven, which any man eats of this bread shall live forever. And the bread that I will give to them is my flesh, and which I give to them is for the life of the world. And the thing is, Jesus did this at Calvary for us. And when we partake of the cup representing the blood, you're remembering that Jesus delivered us from sin. And it says here, when you eat the bread representing his body, we are acknowledging the physical and spiritual torment Jesus endured for us. And he's taking care of the worries, the cares, the fears, the sickness and disease and every part of the curse. And he willingly got on that cross and did it for us. The great love he has for us is to do that so we'd be with him eternity. And the thing is, we are healed and we are redeemed. And we are delivered from, from the authority of all darkness. And we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We're not underneath at all. And we will prosper in all things. Praise the Lord. Yes. In First Corinthians eleven, twenty three through twenty five, let the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and says, Take eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So take and eat. And after the same manner, as he took the cup, and he supped from it, saying, This is the cup, this is the New Testament in my blood. And do this as often as you drink it, remember to me, so take and drink. So, Father, we thank you for the blood. And we thank you, Jesus, for the great sacrifice that you have made here for us. And we thank you, Father, for you are glorious indeed. We thank you for your light that shines here, Father. And we just thank you for you are glorious. We praise you. Amen.
Pastor Nelson. Awesome job. Hallelujah. Well, I'm Pastor Doug. This is my lovely wife, Dr. Fiona. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we like to celebrate communion every second Sunday of the month. And we also like to speak the word. Amen. And we emphasize a subject every quarter. And so we just want to invite you all to join us as we make this confession of faith about God's strength uh, based on God's word. Let's make our confession. The, the Lord, Lord is the strength, strength and might and, and power. power. We, we praise and exalt him. him. The creator of heaven and earth does not become tired or grow weary. If we are weary, God gives us strength and increases our power. As we wait on the Lord, we receive strength and our power is replenished. With the Lord's strength, we will run and not become weary and we will walk and not grow tired. We will carry out the Lord's will. God's grace is sufficient for every challenge, and his power is perfected in us. We have Christ's power abiding in us. We boldly decree that we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We do all things right in his sight. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We are ready for anything because we are infused with the Lord's power and might. The Lord is our rock and our fortress, and he rescues us from trouble. We trust in him. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of the salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning, VCF. It feels like so long since I've been up here. All right. So this week... Um, we have this generation, and that's Tuesday at 1.25 p.m., and that is our middle school mission field, and it has been awesome. Tuesday evenings, we have youth group, and that's from 6 to 8 p.m., ages 12 and up, which we have some new members that we are very excited about. And, all right, so, and then, it is this Wednesday. Wow, that came quite fast. All right, so this Wednesday, January 11th, is our community prayer, praise, and worship night. So it's going to be just an evening filled with worship, and it's going to be special praise. So that's our Wednesday night refreshing this week. So invite the community, people that you know. It's going to be a great night. Thursday is Bible Adventures, and that's in the afternoons where kids from third through fifth grade get to be released from school for about an hour, and they get to learn about Jesus and then take it back into school. All right. And then Saturday is our youth breakfast, which is the 14th, and that's from 9 to 11 a.m., and that is awesome. Um, we have breakfast because, again, we like to eat. And then we're going to have messages, and this 
month we are focusing on honor. So we are excited about that. And God always shows up every time that we meet. Speaking of Air Force, um, you notice our Palazzo creations in the back and our fundraisers that we're doing. That is for the goal of spreading the word of God. And also, we are attending the FIRE Conference in Tampa, Florida. So if you remember last year, we flew down to Oklahoma to do, like, Ramus Camp meeting. So this year, we are doing, um, like I said, the FIRE Conference with Drs. Rodney and Adonica. Yeah, Adonica, um, Howard Brown, So, and that's down in Tampa, Florida. So we are excited to go in that, and if you are interested to participate, we have, like I said, our fundraisers, and we plan, we want to take the whole church with us. <laughs> All right, Pastor Nadine has been writing books, um, so we have some new books in the VCF bookstore, and they're on the online Shopify store as well, so you can share them with everybody. She's been getting, like, revelation about Christ, celebrating life, the light of life, and I'm sure there's much more to come. (laughs) Pastor, or Dr. Fiona, is also going to Guyana again, and she is leaving at the end of January and returning in February. Um, So she's excited to go minister to the kids, do things with Bless the Children Home Orphanage, so you can support that with the um, VCF Commission Club. And Pastor Appreciation is extending into 2023 and basically for forever um, because (laughs) it's seed time and harvest, right? It's a constant cycle of, like, giving and receiving, giving and receiving, planting and harvesting. Um, So we want to bless them with a trip to the Caribbean because that's what they like to do, the beach. Um, So we are excited to participate in that because of all they have done for us. And we have some opportunities to give as well. Our VCF kitchen project, um, getting a new refrigerator, exhaust, ventilation. Like I said, we eat a lot. It's real good, though. We are thankful that God is prospering this church in every aspect. We have our VCF stage lights project, which we want to get, like, new lights for the top. And if you notice today, we have a new light arrangement in the back that we're experimenting with. (laughs) And um, our other project is, so we have our parking lot lights, which I'm thankful for, Um, but the one telephone pole is kind of a little unshaky right now. (laughs) So in order to keep our parking lot well lit, uh, we are replacing that, and that's scheduled for the end of January. So there's lots of ways to participate at VCF. All right, so my fact that I learned, which I'm very excited about, okay? So, sound travels through the air and through liquid and through solids. It cannot travel through empty space. I know. But (laughs) um, it travels fastest when the molecules are packed together. Okay? So, it travels the slowest in air, faster in water, and then it's the fastest through a solid. And... So I was thinking about, like, our bodies and how at the core of every cell is a sound wave. And I was thinking about how our bodies were basically made up of liquids and solids. There's not much air in your body except in your lungs. Like, it's not really anywhere else. Um, So I was just thinking about how our bodies are literally designed to, like, carry the word of God through you the fastest. Because I was studying, like, sound and how it travels in your ears. 
And so, like like I said, your body just wants to, like, vibrate and speak out the word of God. And the shape of your ears is specifically designed to prioritize human speaking. So when you speak the word of God, other people's ears, whether they realize it or not, are picking that up because that's just how our ears were designed. And there's so much more. But I will post it on our Air Force YouTube videos. That's everything. And you know, when uh, the Great Awakening in the 1800s or late 1700s, Jonathan Edwards would preach to crowds of 10 to 100,000 people without an amplifying system, and people would hear him. And he was a, a great revivalist. So, um, hallelujah. Well, I, I just want to share something with you um, from James chapter 1 before we dismiss our kids today. And uh, James chapter 1, verse 17, and uh, it says, every good gift, everybody say every good gift, and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning, Of his own will, he begot us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So anything that God gives is good. Every good and perfect gift come from God. And uh, so when we realize that God is the giver of everything good, then we're encouraged to give into his kingdom. And I just want to encourage you in your giving to now, let me tell you something. The givers of VCF are awesome. Y'all are incredible. And uh, you're going to be rewarded by God. And uh, here's just some things about giving. Giving uh, is an expression of our thankfulness and praise to God. So when we give, we simply offer to him a small portion of the abundance that he's already given to us. Um, giving amplifies what's in your heart. You know, they said money is a magnifier. It just magnifies what's already there. If you're going to be generous with a dollar, you're going to be generous with $10,000. Amen. Um, the Bible encourages everyone who believes in Jesus as Lord to give. Uh, the giving begins with the tithe. Then there's the offering. Then there's alms. That's giving to the poor. And then there's first fruits. Whenever you get an increase, you know, you can give the first fruit of that to God. Um, And giving affects your whole life. You know, God, at different times in the Bible, he recognized people's giving. With Cornelius, his giving was, God took notice of his giving and his praying when he was uh, doing that to God. And, uh, you know, since God is the greatest giver of all, he celebrates givers. Um, and God wrote the book on giving, right? We wouldn't be here without God's gift now, would we? Hallelujah. Thank God. Giving is a win-win for God and you. God doesn't need your money, but he does need your seed. He needs something from you so that he can multiply it. And uh, when we give freely to God, we freely receive from him. 
And uh, giving operates under the law of love. Our motivation for giving should be because we love. It shouldn't be because of anything else. Amen? When, when you are a person of love, you can't help but give. Amen? Love just gives. That's what it does. So here at VCF, we don't uh, pass a container, but we do. Uh, you can give any time during the service. Uh, we have a, con- a wooden container there and a wooden container over here. We call those our seed planters. Any time during the service, if you're inspired to give, you can give. If you make a check, make it out to VCF. If you need to use a card, you can use it in the bookstore. If you're watching online, you can go to the website uh, and do it that way. There's all kinds of ways. And so, Father, I just give you thanks and praise right now for the givers. And I thank you, Lord, for their gifts. I call their gifts blessed of you. And I thank you, Lord, for rewarding them that diligently seek you. And, Lord, you're a great rewarder, and we just receive that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. All right, we have some awesome kids in this place. And we have our, our, our lesson for kids is called Kids Living in Faith Every Day. We call it Kids Live. So, kids, get ready. Have your class. Be blessed. Glory to God. Amen. And if you're visiting with us today, this is your first time here. We just are so glad that you're here. Thank you for taking the time and uh, visiting us or checking us out. And uh, we look forward to getting to know you uh, better and better. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you all ready for the word this morning? Hallelujah. You know, your spirit has to eat too. Some people like soul food, but God serves spirit food. But it also does good for your soul as well. And it's good for your body too. You know, the milk of the word, it does the body good. And uh, we believe in the word of God. And we also believe in the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, he's the catalyst to the word. You know, he makes it alive. He, he, he animates it. He, he brings it to pass. And uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about living by faith. Living by faith. And if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, uh, we're going to begin there. You know, when a, uh, it takes faith to get into the family of God, and it'll take faith to keep you in the family of God. And uh, everything that, when someone meets Jesus Christ, from that moment on, everything we, need, we do needs to be of faith. And faith is so important. God is a God of faith. And faith only comes from one place in the universe. You can't mine it. You can't drill for it. But you can get it in the word of God. Faith is something that's readily available to every person on the planet. And there's no shortage of faith. But I want to encourage us today to live by faith. The life of faith is the most exciting life that you will ever live. Faith is an adventure with God. And uh, so I want to encourage your faith. I want to build your faith. And uh, it's going to help us to live by God. Second Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, we're going to start with uh, verse 6. 
2 Corinthians 5, 6. It says, therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And then notice verse 7. He says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Say, we walk by faith, not by sight. What he's saying is the walk of faith can be done apart from your physical senses. You know, it it doesn't take faith to walk by sight, what you can see with your physical eyes. But how many know there's more to the natural world than what we see? There's an invisible world that we can't see. And it's actually more real than the natural world because the spiritual created the natural. But there are angels we can't see. There is a God we can't see. He's a spirit, right? And and faith is a force in this earth that God has given to us. And he says we're supposed to walk by faith. Every time the Bible mentions the word walk, it's talking about lifestyle. That's our daily living, right? How many of you are living today? Amen. And how many know that there are things that we do as part of life, right? Life has daily routines that we do, and we have to do those things every day, right? Uh, You can only go 40 days without food. You can only go three days without water, you know, and there's things that we got to do every day, right? Personal hygiene every day, right? Uh, If if you have pets, you got to give pets attention every day, right? Feed them, walk them, whatever. But they, they require attention every day, don't they? So God wants us, notice he said, live by faith. Faith is very practical. It's something that we can live by. It's something that we can um, exercise every day. Okay? Faith is not just a moment where you come to church. But what you do Every day throughout that day affects your faith positively or negatively. Because faith needs to be a lifestyle. It's not something we do in a moment, but God gave it to us as something to live by. Then he says, verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So faith is a lifestyle. And uh, you don't have to turn there, but in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, it mentions that the just shall live by faith. And that verse is quoted three times in the New Testament, once in Galatians, once in Romans, and once in Hebrews. Everybody say, the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? The just are those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, you are justified. You are just as if you never sinned. You are made right with God. You are righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? So, here's what the Passion Translation says of this passage of Scripture. We live by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. We live by, with a joyful confidence, yet at the same time, We take delight in the thought of leaving our bodies behind to be at home with the Lord. So whether we live or die, we make it our life's passion to live our lives pleasing to him. 
See, living by faith is pleasing God. Because we know from Hebrews eleven six it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Okay? So, when we live by faith, our inward conviction becomes our outward manifestation. Our inward conviction becomes the outward manifestation. What do I mean by that? What's a conviction? A conviction is a firmly held belief. Everybody say firm. Everything about faith is firm, strong, lasting. It's, you know, uh, faith is, is an incredible force. Okay? So a, a conviction is a firmly held belief. It's a confidence and assurance a certainty, it's a belief, it's a persuasion, okay? So when you uh, read the Word of God, you establish beliefs, and then you make those beliefs your lifestyle. You make what the Word said a something that you live by every day, okay? That's living by faith. In other words, you let the Word of God govern your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Because when you got born again, when a person gets born again, they enter into a new kingdom. I don't know about you, but I didn't know anything about the kingdom when I entered into it. It was totally brand new to me. God's way of doing things, his MO, you know, uh, the kingdom is run by the law of love and the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It run, it's run by different laws than the, than the natural world. So I didn't know anything about the kingdom when I got born again. So as I read the word, I'm still learning about the kingdom. Amen. But when a person is born again, they have been, they have been, they have an entrance into the kingdom of God. You've been translated from darkness to light. From the natural world to God's house. And, and you actually become a new citizen. You are now a citizen in heaven. Hallelujah. We have citizenship in heaven. And we don't need a passport to travel. Glory to God. Right now, heaven is connected to us. Even though it's going to be our final destination, we are connected to heaven. And we have relatives in heaven and on earth. Amen. God's got the greatest family in, in two locations. Hallelujah. Heaven is the retirement home. Of the believer. Amen? Then, there's the manifestation. That's the act of knowing some, the act of showing something. It's a sign, a public demonstration, a display, an exhibition, or an expression. So, when we establish our inward convictions by the Word of God, right? We now put them on display in our life, living them out every day. We take on the character and the nature of God. We are partakers, Second uh, Peter chapter 1 says, we are partakers of his divine nature. You're a new creature with a new nature. Hallelujah. Okay? So, if we're supposed to walk by faith and live by faith, then faith is, should be pretty important. Right? So we're going to get an understanding of how to do that today. What is faith? Right? Some people say, well, I'm of this faith or I'm of that faith. Faith 
is a belief. It is a trust. It's a confidence. Uh, it's, it means to be persuaded. So when you're persuaded of something, you're pretty sure of it. How many has ever been persuaded of something? I'm not talking about something bad. I'm talking about something good, right? If you've ever made a purchase of something, you were persuaded to buy it, right? For whatever reason, maybe you wanted it. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you thought it was good, but you bought it. You were persuaded, right? So when you're persuaded, you do things differently. When you're persuaded, uh, you take ownership of it. When you're persuaded, you begin to talk about it. When you're persuaded, you're excited about it. Right? How many has ever had a good restaurant experience? Do you just keep that to yourself? No, you tell your friends. You tell whoever you're, guess what? I ate at this great place. It was sort of, the food was good, the service was great. You need to go there. See, that's, you were persuaded. Persuaded people act differently than unpersuaded people. Okay? Faith is a persuasion. It's, uh, it's, you have come to trust in something. Alright? Faith is God's divine persuasion. And uh, faith is, you know what he prefers, or you're persuaded of his will. Alright? Now, we do not produce faith of ourselves. Faith can only come from God. But uh, we can use faith. Amen? Um, How many know we have a currency in our country? Right? What if I was to produce my own currency? What's that called? That's called counterfeit. Why? There's only one agency in this country that is authorized to produce currency. That's the United States of America, the government. But the currency they produce, everybody can use it. Am I right? Faith comes from God. He's the only one that can produce faith. Because if we try to have our own faith, that's counterfeit faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing what? It only comes by hearing the word of God. It doesn't come by hearing the word of Sam or David. If if your name is Sam or David, I'm just pulling out those names. Okay? So God is the only one that produces faith, right? If someone has a copyright, a trademark, or a patent of a product they made or an idea they had. Dr. Fiona and I, we've written books. So guess what? We have copyrights. That means you can't copy what I wrote unless I give you permission. (laughs) Right? But those are legal things to protect uh, the originator of those things. A patent is an inventor. A trademark is a symbol. It, It identifies a company or a corporation. Right? And a, a, a copyright is a, is a protected idea, okay? Those are legal guards, but you could give someone permission to use what's been copyrighted. Who gives the per- person permission? The one who originated uh, the idea gets to give permission. 
right? And if you want to use the material, you can ask the, the, the person who got the copyright and they could give you permission. God's got the copyright, the trademark, and the patent on faith. But we can get permission to have faith from him to use it in our lives. Scientists can't produce faith. You know, I've said this before, but uh, there were some scientists that got really proud and arrogant. And they told God, they said, uh, God, we are so advanced in our knowledge and our technology that we can make human beings and we don't even need you anymore. And God says, well, why don't we have a a human-making competition, right? And the scientists said, great, let's go. So as the scientists went to get some dirt, God said, wait a minute, get your own dirt. That's my dirt. Hallelujah. Okay? So let me just give you some things that the Bible says where faith comes from. Okay, faith comes from God by hearing his word. First John five, four, it says, uh, talks about faith comes from those who are born of God. What does it mean to be born of God? It means to accept Jesus Christ in your heart as Lord. All right. So when you're born of God, guess what? That took faith to be born of God. And God gave you that faith. Right. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen. All, the word of God is inspired. It's God breathed. It comes from God and it's profitable for instruction, for correction, for uh, rebuking and training in righteousness. And it equips you for everything you need. Say everything. You're never going to find a subject in life that the Bible does not deal with in its book. Okay. Romans 12, 3, the Bible says God has given to each man a measure of faith. Say, God gave me a measure. Now, you can increase the measure that he's given you because faith is like a muscle. It can grow. It can expand. And there's no limit to how big faith can get. Right? Faith starts off as a seed, but it grows just like any other seed. You plant a seed and it grows. Doesn't, don't seeds become greater? Seeds start off real small, but they become greater. Right? You know what an oak tree is, right? That's just one crazy nut that held its ground. Yeah, an oak tree comes from an acorn. And once that acorn connects with the ground, it starts to grow and it grows into an oak tree. Okay? Um, Galatians 5.22, faith is a fruit of the Spirit. These are all pointing that faith comes from God. Okay? Ephesians 2.8 and 9, salvation is God's gift. It's offered freely by grace, and we receive it by faith. But it's, it, it's God's gift. Okay? Um, Romans 14.23 says, whatever is not of faith is sin. And then Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So don't you think if God wants to be pleased, he'll give you the means to please him? God's not going to say, please me if you can. He's going to give us the things that please him so that we can do the things that he's given us to please him. Amen? Okay. 
Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm having a good time today. I don't know about you. How do you know things are true? Right? There are three things that we can know something is true. And it comes from Hebrews 11. It says now, verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. So the three things that prove something is true is, number one, there has to be evidence. Evidence or existence proves something. How do I know that there's a pulpit here? Because I can see it. I can feel it. And when I bang on it, you can hear it. That's evidence. That's proof. Okay? That's proof that there is a pulpit here. All right? So evidence proves the reality of something. Uh, God said it and God wrote it. That's proof. That's evidence. Because God has a voice. How many know when someone is speaking, you know that they have a voice? Right? Evidence is a conviction. It's an inward conviction from God that what he has promised, he will perform. Whatever, see, God is a performer of promises. He gives a promise and you can rely on it. You can trust in it. You can uh, stand on it and it's not going to falter because it will come to pass. Okay? So, it's a conviction. It's it's an inner conviction. Evidence is an inner conviction that focuses on God confirming what he birthed in you. Okay? The second thing, oh, uh, did you know that law enforcement knows that a crime has been committed by the evidence left behind? Every crime that has ever been committed has evidence that it was committed. Right? And how do law enforcement solve the problem of what has been committed. They follow the evidence. They look, the evidence leads them to the truth. It leads them to what is real, what is true, right? And then they take that same evidence and they present it in a court case. Courts make their decisions based on evidence. Oh, hallelujah. So evidence is one way That you know something is true. Okay? Number two, the second way that you know something is true is the credibility or the character of a witness. And sometimes in a court case, they get expert witnesses. Right? These are experts in their field of what they're trying to prove. Okay? Now, get this. God is a witness. And he has the most impeccable character ever. He witnesses to his word. He cannot lie and he doesn't change. All right? The Holy Spirit is a witness. He witnesses to our spirits that we're children of God. Just like NASA, when they put a satellite in orbit, it sends back a signal to know it's on the right orbit. God sends us a signal by the Holy Spirit. 
Go with me quickly to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 26. It says this. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the spirit of what? Truth. Which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. Isn't that what witnesses do? They testify. So the Holy Spirit is a witness, and he only testifies to the truth. So you can know something is true by the evidence and by the quality or the credibility of a witness. All right? Go to John uh, 16, verse 13. John 16, verse 13. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into what? All truth. Okay, he shall not speak of himself, but what whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Okay, verse 14, he shall glorify me, talking about the Lord, for he shall receive of mine and show it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, said I, he shall take of mine and show it unto you. Glory to God. Okay, so the Holy Spirit's a witness. Jesus is a living expert witness to the goodness of God. Everything that he did, everything that he said was of the Father. He is a perfect witness because he did it. He saw it, he heard it, he did it, and he got the t-shirt. Right? Then there's one more credibility of witness. It's called eyewitnesses. They were there on the scene. They heard something. They saw something. They experienced something. They're called eyewitnesses. God wrote a chapter in the book of Hebrews full of eyewitnesses. It's called the Hall of Faith. It's where people, men and women, just like you and I, experience great things through living by faith in God. So those are our eyewitnesses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. And the third thing that you can tell something is true is substance. It has some substance to it. Faith, faith has to be on something firm for it to work. You can't have faith. You can't have fly by night faith or fly by the seat of your pants faith. What is what is how firm is the seat of your pants? Not too firm. In other words, what I'm saying is, you have to, faith has to be on something solid, something proven, something firm, something that will not change, something that will last, something that is steadfast. Sounds to me like the Bible is still the number one bestseller in all the world, hasn't budged, no one can take it over. Why? It's firm, it's established, it's proven, it's got some substance to it. Substance is, it means to stand under, to support. What faith is to a Christian, a foundation is to a building. You don't, you're not going to build a building without a good foundation. Why? It will topple over quickly. If you're, if you're one of the three little pigs, it's a house of sticks and hay, Right? Faith, substance, gives confidence. Something that has substance, it gives you security. 
How many are glad that they got good security measures at Fort Knox? Right? That's supposed to be where all the, the gold is. But I'm sure that they got really good security measures. So that they know, they're confident that they're not going to be uh, easily stolen from. Okay? So something that has substance gives confidence. It gives assurance that it will stand. How many want assurance that it's going to stand? God has been around forever. He can stand. Amen? There's not a storm or anything that's going to make God go away. God's here forever. So you might as well just give your heart to God right now. Amen? Because he's not going away. When a believer has faith, it is God's way of giving him confidence and assurance that what is promised, they will experience. God gave Abraham a promise. You're going to be a father. He had no other evidence other than what God said. Physical evidence showed it was impossible for him and Sarah to have a child. They'd been married for a while and they hadn't had any child. And uh, they had gotten past the age where it was physically impossible to have a child. So they couldn't rely on physical evidence. Right? Uh, there wasn't a, and, but they had a promise from someone with impeccable character. And even though it took some time, what happened? That promise came to pass. And they had a child when it was physically impossible. See, with faith, you don't need physical strength. Because faith is supernatural. Faith can supersede the limits of the natural. Amen? Okay. So faith is a very practical thing, right? Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. This building is framed. You can't see it, but behind this drywall, there's a a structure. It's a framework. It holds this building up, right? Now, we can't see it, but thank God we know it's working because the building has been held up. This building has been built in 1994, and it's 2022. This building is good, right? It's not going anywhere. It's a stable structure, and we can, we can be confident to come and meet here every week and worship God because this building has, has been established. Okay? Faith sees what others can't see. Faith opens the doorway into the invisible realm. With faith, you can actually pull something that's invisible and make it visible. How many has ever ordered a pizza at home? Raise your hands. Right? Okay. When you ordered that pizza, did you see the pizza? No. But you knew that they had what you wanted. Right? They ha- you, or- you put in the size that you wanted. You put in the toppings that you wanted. And you haven't even seen the pizza yet. But you knew that there was substance there. Maybe you did it before. 
Maybe it's something that you like, right? And, and you call up, you say, I'd like to order a large cheese pizza. And they said, okay, do you want that for delivery? Pick up? Delivery, okay. And then what do you do? You get off the phone. You don't just sit there. You set the table. You get your money ready to give to the delivery person. Am I, am I telling the truth? You take steps, you take action to do something that you haven't even seen yet, but you know it's going to happen. That's faith. You mean, when I ordered a pizza, I operated by faith? Yeah. Now, if we're going to trust a delivery man, how, do, how, how, how about let us trust God? He's got better, qual- he's got better character. He's got a better nature. Amen. Nothing wrong with the delivery man. He might be a good guy or a good good girl. It doesn't matter. God, God's higher. Amen. If we if we can trust the delivery man to bring us a pizza, can we trust God to give us a healing? Can we trust God to give us help? Can we trust God to give us strength? Can we trust God to give us guidance? I'd like to order a large guidance, please. Yeah, I don't know what to do or where to go. Can you? Yeah, pick up our delivery. Uh, make a delivery. So what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to get off that prayer line, and I'm going to get in a position to receive guidance. That's what faith does. Hallelujah. Faith enables us to do what others can't do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Dr. Oswald Chambers said this, Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Hallelujah. All right. So uh, Hebrews uh, tells us these things. It's it tells us how to live by faith. All right. It's a description of faith. Now, here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes people call intellectual assent. They call it faith or you could say intellectual head knowledge. All right. Head knowledge is not faith. Faith always has to do with the heart. Okay? Head knowledge is a decision made in the head with no commitment in the heart. It's a mental agreement, but no heartfelt acceptance. How many has ever said you're going to do something? And you never showed up. Don't raise your hand. Just keep smiling, looking forward. Right? I've done that a few times. I either forget or, you know, double book or, you know, whatever. I guess my heart wasn't in it. I agreed to to be there at a certain time, but my heart wasn't in it. Why? Because I I didn't show up. See, when your heart's in it, you show up. When your heart's in it, you do it. Okay? You know, some people are this far from a miracle. That is the length of their head to the heart. I'm not talking about the physical organ, by the way. I'm just talking, the heart is the inner man. Okay? Are we getting something out of this today? Okay. Now, uh, for example, how many's ever seen uh, a show where they had to cross this ravine on this rope bridge with, with planks on the rope, Right? You could say, I'm going to cross that ravine. But until you put your foot on that first plank and start walking, you didn't really mean it. But once you put your foot, you are putting your trust on that plank and in that rope and you got nothing else to hold on. That's faith. That's faith. 
You know, uh, I think it was one of the Indiana Jones movies. I forget which one, but there was an invisible bridge and he had to step out like this and you couldn't see it, but he had to step out by faith, right? And then they, they, they moved the camera and they showed the bridge, but you couldn't see it from the angle that you were at. And sometimes we just got to step by faith, knowing that we're stepping on something solid. Amen. The solid is God's word. Okay. So, uh, sometimes we just agree with what God said, but we don't take it to heart. But here's true Bible faith. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word. Confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. I'm going to read that again. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances or consequences. There's a story in the Gospels about a man who had a withered hand. Maybe it was smashed in a working accident. We don't know how it got there. But he was in the synagogue. He had this withered hand, right? And he, he met Jesus, and Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. How can you stretch forth a withered hand? Because who's talking? Jesus is talking. Who is Jesus? He's the Word talking. When the Word tells you to do something, you can do it, because the Word wouldn't have spoken to you if you couldn't do it. So Jesus said, who is the walking Word, stretch forth your hand. If the Word said it, I can do it, because that's substance. I rely on the character. I rely on the evidence. I rely on the witness. He stretched forth his hand, and it was made brand new. He obeyed an instruction of the Word, and he got the result. That's faith. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a firm foundation. It's the Word of God. It's something solid. Hallelujah. Um, You go with God no matter what. Here's how faith works. God speaks. You hear his word. Faith comes and you do something with it. Right? How many has ever went to the bank and made a a transaction at the drive-thru? Right? Did you know that you, you put your money in a tube? And the, and the tube goes up, goes, right? That's your money that you have just put, but you know the institution. It's been around a long time. You've interacted with that institution a lot. You know how it works. They receive your deposit, right? Or your transaction, but it's still not in your account. Then they have to process it. They have to make sure that they put the right money at the right account. Right? Every person has an account number. Our account number is our hearts. Hallelujah. The heart is the right account for the word of God. So once you deposit your money, it goes up the tube. They type on the computer. They bring up your account, they take the money you put in, and they put it in your account. Now it's available for you to use. I was a banker, so I know this. I was a banker for four years. Right? But do you realize, if if your money sits on the counter, you can't use it because it's not in your account yet. It's got to be deposited in your account. You've got to deposit God's word in your heart. 
in order for you to use it. Your heart is your, is God, is your God account. Hallelujah. But once it's in your account, have at it. You can spend as much as is in your account. Amen. If you've got $10 faith in your account, you can do a $10 miracle. If you've got a $100 faith in your account, you can do a $100 miracle. If you've got a $100,000 money in your account, you can do a $100,000 miracle. You see what I'm saying? Faith is progressive. It grows. Don't, don't let your faith stay tiny. Feed it. What does faith eat? Faith eats the word of God only. Just like a baby needs milk, your spirit needs the word of God. All right? Hallelujah. Now, faith is only as good as the object that it rests on. Okay? If you try to drive your car with four flat tires, you could probably get somewhere, but eventually you're going to have more damage to your car. And it's going to be rough getting there, right? It's going to be hard to turn. Why? Because you've you got four flat tires, right? You need four inflated tires to support the weight of the car. Faith needs something firm to rest on. It needs something that's been built up. Hallelujah. Faith rests on the word of God no matter what the circumstances are. All right? Even if the circumstances are impossible, faith can handle it. Amen? You have to say in your heart, God's word has the final say of my life. Say that. Say, God's word has the final say of my life. In Mark eleven twenty, Jesus told his disciples, he said, have faith in God. Do you know some people have faith in the number of people that are praying for them? But you don't know what those people are praying. So it's not firm. Put your faith in God because he's always firm. Faith needs to be in God alone. You don't need to mix it with anything else. Be a purist. Right? Have faith in God. Don't have faith in, a, in, a, in an institution. Don't, even, don't have faith in me. My goodness. If I tell you something, make sure I tell you, look in the word. If I'm telling you wrong, I'll correct myself. That's what the Bereans did. Can you imagine the apostle Paul who wrote half the New Testament? He comes to preach at VCF, right? And VCFs are like the Bereans. We search the scriptures daily to see if what Paul is saying is show. Paul wrote half the New Testament. doesn't matter. If it's not in the book, I'm not going to believe what he says. Everybody say, you got to do everything by the book. Yeah. That's one thing that you need to do by the book, faith. Faith operates by a book. Because this is not just a book. This is the living word of God. This is God's breath. This is Jesus Christ from cover to cover. The word of God is Jesus. The word of God is God. He stands by his word. You can't separate God and his word. Hallelujah. Okay? So, uh... Whether God speaks a word or whether he wrote it down, that's what you got to abide by. That's what you need to put your faith in. All right? What does it mean to be persuaded? If faith is a persuasion, what does it mean to be persuaded? The Bible says in Romans 4 that Abraham 
got to a point where he was fully persuaded that God was able to do what he promised. Okay? So, if we're going to be persuaded, we've got to understand what that means. Having faith is defined as being fully persuaded. Everybody say full persuasion. If your persuasion is on uh, three quarters of a tank, you need some fill-up. Right? You've got to be fully persuaded. Not partially persuaded. Fully persuaded. Okay? When a person is fully persuaded of something, he cannot be convinced that is any other way than the way he believes it. How many has ever heard of a person, they tell a lie so much that they believe the lie is true? How do they believe that lie is true? Because they said it so many times, they heard it so many times, now they're persuaded that the lie is true. But, but guess what? A lie has no substance. Because the only way to uphold the lie is with another lie, and pretty soon you get wore out. You forget the lie, you forget the tenth lie that you told for the fifth lie that covers the eighth lie, and you get confused. Lies are not going to hold up. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, uh, be, they're going to disappear. They're going to disintegrate because they have no substance to them. All right? So, Abraham was fully convinced. He refused to look at the circumstances. He refused to look at Sarah's womb. He refused to look at his own body. He refused to look at the time that had passed. All he looked to was God. God, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? Uh, Genesis 15, God takes him outside. He shows him the stars and the, uh, the sky and the sand and the sea. He said, that's going to be your descendants. Abraham believed God. All, all Abraham needed was a little bit of encouragement. How many know if you're struggling to believe, God will encourage you? In other words, he'll give you more evidence. He'll give you more proof. He'll give you another witness, right? He'll strengthen you. Amen? Hallelujah. So to be persuaded, persuasion comes from repetition. The same way that the person who told the lie over and over again believed the lie is the same way faith works. But faith doesn't get fed by lies. Faith gets fed by the truth. The more you repeat the truth, the more you hear the truth, the more you say the truth, the stronger your belief will be. The more you hear the truth and the more you say the truth, the more you're going to believe the truth. Feed your faith with the truth. Okay? Hallelujah. You know what? We don't have to try to get faith. It just comes with God's word. It's a total package. Right? The other day, I bought a sub sandwich. Oh, I'm telling on myself now. We have a saying in our home, Dr. Fiona always finds out. I'll repent later. (laughs) But I bought a sub, and with the sub came a free soda. But I didn't have a soda. I refused the soda, but I had the sub because I was craving the sub. But what I'm saying is, you don't have to... Try to drum up faith. Faith comes with the word. It's included with the word. It comes as a total package. It doesn't come separate. You don't get the word and say, I'd like to buy faith for 500, please. You know, if you're going to buy a vowel, right, on Wheel of Fortune. Right? Hallelujah. Well, things are coming out today. 
So persuasion comes from repetition. Speaking is proof of persuasion. When you're persuaded of something, you're going to talk about it. When you are persuaded that you are healed, you're going to talk more about healed than being sick. That's going to be so strong in you because you're fully persuaded. Healing is going to be the subject of conversation, not sickness anymore. Why? Because you're persuaded. You're, you know, uh, hallelujah. All right? So uh, the best way to get faith is to walk with the faithful. Go, go, let's go back to Hebrews 11 for a second. And let's look at verse 5. We're going to talk about three guys here. And uh, don't worry, I'm not going to go super long, although I could. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll get you out before one. No, just kidding. I'll get you out before that. Hallelujah. So um, the first guy here is Enoch. Hebrews 11.5. Now we're getting into some eyewitnesses who exercise faith. Uh, verse 5 says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony. He pleased God. Say he pleased God. So obviously, if it takes faith to please God, Enoch walked by faith. Now, Enoch, you can read this in Genesis 5, verses 21 to 24. He was seventh from Adam. Okay? Part of Adam's life, Enoch was alive while Adam was alive. You could read the genealogy. Okay? At 365, or, no, anyway, I might get that number wrong. There came a point in time when Enoch had a desire to walk with God. Maybe he talked with Adam, and he asked Adam what it was like to walk with God in the garden. How many know Adam walked with God in the garden? Adam had close fellowship until he sinned, and and he was separated from the life of God. But I'm speculating because the Bible doesn't say this, but somewhere along the line, Enoch got interested in walking with God. Walking with God requires faith. Walking with God is keeping his word. Walking with God is being a person of good character and good integrity. Walking with God is worshiping him, praising him, studying him every day. Walking with God is living with God every day. Enoch was walking with God, right? He got so close to God. He got so intimate with God. He got so caught up with the things of God that God says, come here, boy. The only people that God ever took alive was Enoch and Elijah. Elijah went up to heaven in in the chariots of fire. Enoch just walked with God, and one day his step, he stepped into glory. Oh, I just stepped in it. But that's a step you don't mind stepping in, amen? And, And all of a sudden, where Enoch was, he was no more. He was no longer on this earth. He was in heaven. Why? What was his testimony? He pleased God. 
He pleased God. He accomplished God's will for his life. He did what God wanted him to do in this life. Why? He pleased God. That's part of pleasing God. God has a will for every one of you. Every one of us. God has a will. You should be doing God's will. Well, I'm too old. No, Moses was 80 when he started doing God's will. John the Baptist was in the womb. We can, that covers us, doesn't it? Listen, if you haven't been doing God's will, you can start today. It's still available to you to do. God's not going to change his mind about you. He's not going to change why he created you, why he designed you. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. Start walking in it. How do I find it? Get in the word and talk to him. So there was Enoch. He's recorded in the hall of faith. He's the first one. He walks with God. That's why we get verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That has to do with Enoch. So there he was. He was walking with God, and then God took him. Why? Because he pleased God. When you get to heaven, you can, talk, you can ask Enoch how it was to walk with God. Amen? He'll probably tell you. You can go visit him at his house or his mansion. Do you realize you can go talk to Enoch when you get there? Amen? When, when Jesus was still walking on this earth, he said to his disciples, he said, there's going to be some here that will see me in all my glory who, before they die. And it was Peter, James, and John. He took them on a mount, and the Bible said he was transfigured before them. And they got to see him in all of his glory. They said his clothes were brighter than the sun. And they got to see this, and, and Jesus was talking with Elijah and Moses. Elijah and Moses had died several hundred years, but they're alive in heaven. Hallelujah. That should give us hope. Jesus was having a conversation with two people who had died. See, because they died in God, that means they weren't separated from God. That means they ended up with God. Hallelujah. So, Enoch, that's faith walking. Faith is a walk. One step at a time. One day at a time. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. That's how faith operates. Faith is consistent. All right? Faith does what it needs to do all the time. Faith has a joyful countenance. It expresses all the fruits of the Spirit. Okay? All right, let's read on. Verse 7, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not Seen as yet. Ever say things not seen. What did God warn Noah that it was going to what? Did you realize up until that point it had never rained on the earth? If you go back to Genesis 2, the Bible says that a mist came up from the earth and watered the ground. So Noah had never seen rain. He was warned of things not yet seen. I want you to prepare a boat because I'm going to make it rain. Okay, wait a minute, God. What's rain? If you've never seen rain, you wouldn't know what it was. If you've never experienced rain, you wouldn't know what it was. Am I right? But God was telling him ahead of time that something was going to happen that had never happened before. Okay? By faith, Noah, being warned of God, things not yet seen, moved with fear. He had a fear of God. He had a reverence, respect, and honor for God. How do you know if you fear God? When God speaks, you move. 
How many know the word dilly-dally? If you're a dilly-dallier, when God speaks, you're like, oh, okay, that's nice to hear. What are you doing? I'm dilly-dallying, twiddling my thumbs. God just said something. Move your little, you know what. Okay? So, because of godly fear, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness. How long did Noah build the ark? 100 years. The Bible said he was 500 when God spoke to him. He was 600 when the flood came. I don't have time to go into all that, but it's true. You can look it up. How many would like to get called to a building project for 100 years? You want me to build what? For how long? But Noah is faith working. There wasn't a day that didn't go by that he didn't pound a nail, saw a board, put it in place, get it ready. How come it took 100 years? Because there were only eight workers. Now, the ark was 450 feet long. A United States, uh, uh, what do they call those, uh, aircraft carrier. That's about a thousand foot long. Okay? That, that's kind of a comparison. If you see an aircraft carrier, that's kind of like Noah's Ark. It was 450 feet long. It had three decks, uh, 45 feet high, 75 feet wide, or something like that. Those are the dimensions, right? So Noah's Ark was more than a football field and a half. And you're talking about 80 people, I mean eight people, building a boat with wood. So it took 100 years. But thank God, God gave Noah strength for every, every year that passed. For 100 years, Noah kept putting that hammer. He kept cutting that wood. Hallelujah. He built the ark. He did what God said for something that he had never experienced yet. But he knew the character of God. He knew the word of God. Noah did this. He was the only righteous person in the midst of wickedness. Everybody else around Noah was wicked. That's why they didn't help build the ark. Do you realize that the Bible says that they were, in in Matthew 24, I think it's around verse 26, Jesus said, as in the last days, it's going to be the days of Noah. The the days of Noah, they they were marrying, they were given in marriage, they were drinking and eating up to the closing of the gate of the ark. They were just, everybody was doing their own thing. They weren't living by faith. They weren't concerned about what God was saying or what he was doing in the earth. They were just doing their own thing until Noah got in the ark and it started to rain. That's in the Bible. The people lived wickedly until Noah was in the ark. And then it started to rain. And the door was closed. The the op, the op, the op, The window of opportunity was closed. And the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. While he was building, his building was speaking about righteousness. But he was consistent. How many Christians would be consistent for a hundred years? Noah was. You talk about faith, man. Every day. 
He goes to the job site every day. He's measuring wood every day. He's getting lumber every day. He's building. He's sealing it with pitch. He's getting and and guess what? They spent over a year on the ark. How are you going to feed all those animals for a year? With you're the only source. Listen, the the tigers couldn't go anywhere else but the ark to get food. The lions for a year. Eight people and all the animals that were on the ark lived without missing a meal. How did that happen? God. See, when you work for God, he will supply. And besides, Noah didn't have to gather the animals. They came to him. Amen? He just had to gather the food, all the hay, all the straw. I think everybody on that boat was not a carnivore. Noah's Ark was like the millennium. The lion laid down with the lamb and, and, and didn't, get, didn't start drooling. Ooh, lamb chops. Oh, that's on the meal today. But if, the, if it was in the jungle, the lion would have been eating that lamb. Do you realize the chaos that would have been on Noah's boat if, if there were carnivores? They'd have gotten hungry. They would, have been, they would have been biting the hand that feeds them. Right? I'm just convinced that While they were on the ark, their carnivore desires were not present. Just like creation. You know, animals didn't become carnivores until after the fall. Before the fall, everybody was vegan. (laughs) So if you're a vegan, you say, I'm godly, man. I'm before the fall. But, But then I do tease vegans, you know. I say that they're not good hunters. <laughs> so if you're a vegan, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay? All right. So uh, I, missed, I missed the other one in verse 4, and that's Abel. Everybody say, by faith. You know, everybody listed in this chapter, it was done by faith, with faith, or through faith. Everybody say faith. Everything that these men and women did, they did it by faith. Do you realize, you know what's not listed in in chapter 11? The period of Israel in the wilderness. You know why? That wasn't by faith, that was by unbelief. This is a chapter of faith, not the chapter of unbelief. So that's why it's not listed in chapter 11. All right? Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God... A more excellent sacrifice than Cain. You can read about that in Genesis 4. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Can we become righteous any other way than faith? Nope. God testifying of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaks. <laughs> Woo! You know there's some ministers, they're, they're dead but they're still speaking. Why? Because you got YouTube. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, he's been dead for years, but look at him, he's still preaching on. Praise God. <laughs> we can be dead yet speak, glory to God. So Abel and Cain were brothers. They were the first uh, people that were born after Adam and Eve got together. And uh, one day they brought an offering. One brought an offering by faith. The other did not, buy, did not bring an offering by faith. 
Abel, he picked out the best sheep that he had, Fluffy. Now, Fluffy was the fattest sheep that he had. It had the best wool, and Fluffy had the blue ribbon at the fair. This was the best sheep that Abel had. He he specifically went and looked for the best to give to God, because that's what faith would do. Faith always gives its best. But Cain, the Bible said, you know, he was a tiller of the ground. He just picked up whatever he had. He didn't take time to pick out the best or the first, right? He just picked up whatever he had. The Bible is very clear. God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering, but he gave Cain an opportunity to change. He said, if you do right, he said, sin is crouching at your door. Sin wants to devour you. But if you do right, he gave him an opportunity to do what was right. God will always give you an opportunity to do what faith does. Faith does what's right. Even if it doesn't feel like it. Faith, why? Faith honors God. Faith honors God's word. Faith rejects the, the, the desires of the flesh. And, and Cain is not recorded in Hebrews 11. Abel is. The Bible said that he was credited as righteousness. We, get, we, we become righteous by faith. This is worshiping faith. Abel worshiped God. Enoch walked with God. Noah worked for God. And Abel worshiped God. And if you get to Abraham, he waited for God. Faith waits. Amen? Why does faith wait? Because faith knows that God is a rewarder. Amen? Hallelujah. So all these people... They operated by faith. If they can do it, you can do it. Jesus came to show us how faith can be operated by every person. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, he did not walk this earth as God, even though he was God. He walked this earth as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, just like you and I. He submitted himself to God, just like you and I. He studied God's word just like you and I. He listened to the Holy Spirit and his voice just like you and I. He showed us how to live by faith. Jesus is the greatest example of living and walking by faith that there ever was and that there ever will be. He didn't get worried. He cast all of his cares to his father. People tried to kill him. He just walked away. I mean, his first message in Luke chapter 4, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Boy, that would encourage some young minister, wouldn't it? Hey, you might preach. How was your mess? How was the church today? Oh, they wanted to throw me off a cliff. Are you going to continue? That's dangerous. I didn't know preaching was so dangerous. Thank God I've been here for 21 years and no one's desired to throw me off a cliff. That's good. But what if things go bad? Should you still walk by faith? Joseph did. Joseph, favorite of his father. His father gave him a coat of many colors representing the grace of God. And he wore that coat and his brothers hated him for it. Then he shared the dream about his brothers bowing down to him. You know, sometimes you just got to be careful who you share your dreams with. Right? So, uh, They wanted to kill him. So Joseph, 
He was, he was taken by his brothers, thrown into a pit, lied about, sold into slavery. He ended up into a nation called Egypt, but yet he was with God and God was with him. There's evidence that Joseph never complained because God doesn't hang out with complainers. And the Bible says over and over in Joseph's life, God was with him. God was with him. He was with him at Potiphar's house. He was with him in the pit. He was with him in prison. And he got him to the palace. All the things that happened in Joseph's life, he didn't give up his faith. He kept walking with God. He kept serving God. He kept doing business with integrity, producing results. He was prosperous in in Potiphar's house. He was prosperous in the jail. You know, if you're in jail, that's fine. But if you get to be put in charge of the prisoners, that's pretty good. Right? He was a slave. Now, Joseph, he didn't go to the right Ivy League school. He didn't have the the pedigree, but he became prime minister of a nation that he wasn't a citizen of. He went from a slave to a prime minister. How do you do that if you're not walking with God? Amen? So here's the thing. When you walk by faith, even though bad things happen in your life, that's not an excuse to quit faith. It's not an excuse to walk away from God. I'm glad Jesus went to the cross and he didn't walk away. He, He could have. He asked for God for an alternative. He said, look, if you don't want me to do this, have, have another way, but not my will. Yours be done. Sometimes walking by faith means you've got to walk through hard things. Because faith can handle it. Say, my faith can handle anything that comes against it. Did you know that you have victorious faith? You have overcoming faith? You have champion faith? Hallelujah. Your faith came from a champion pedigree. Glory to God. We have faith of Jesus. He overcame the grave. He overcame the worst persecution and the most cruel punishment that someone has ever went through. And he lives to tell about it. And he wasn't sorry that he went through it. Because he knew he had to go through it. Faith can go through anything. Because faith doesn't quit. Faith doesn't look for opportunities to give up. Faith looks for opportunities to win. You have winning faith. You have warring faith. Faith, you have faith to fight battles. You have faith to defeat giants. You have faith to overcome. Hallelujah. The faith of God. We have the faith of God. God gave us his faith. And by it, we can overcome. By it, we are victorious. Hallelujah. Like the person said, that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) So I want you to stand to your feet today. And if you can't stand, you can sit. That's okay. There's flexibility. There's freedom in the house. Amen. Amen. But we have gathered here today and you've heard something about living by faith. And I want you to make a commitment in your heart today that you're going to be the person who lives by faith. Amen. Amen. You're going to be a person that's going to have the faith of God and you're going to put it into practice each and every day, every moment of the day. You know, faith faith does not have a time clock. You don't punch in and punch out of faith. You don't take vacation on faith. Right? You should bring your faith with you on vacation because you're going to need it. Amen? And my, my point is you never take a break from faith. Faith is there always. It's for, it's for everyday use. 
Faith is like toothpaste. Amen. Use it every day. Faith is like deodorant. Use it every day. Praise God. It benefits us too. Hallelujah. Amen. Faith does the will of God. Faith overcomes hardship. Faith receives what has been freely offered by God. If you need healing in your body this morning, I want you to come up front right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. And if you can't come up, just raise your hand, whatever you need to do. But if you need healing in your body right now, hallelujah. And you might be saying, well, I believe that I'm healed. Praise God. God's just going to strengthen you. I mean, how many believe that God's a healer? He is a healer. As much as he is a savior, he's a healer. There wasn't any type of sickness or disease or infirmity that he couldn't handle. 